This is TV8 My Dinner, a podcast about entertainment issues brought to you by DarkCrazy.com. I just want to apologize. We're going for the moon. Loud and clear. Take her down. I am so, so sorry. I have camera on. I think we're going to have a very interesting time capturing whatever paranormal phenomena is occurring or is not occurring. Day one, DOD mission report. I got to document this. Because it is my fault. Something's here. I feel it breathing on me. Because it was my project. having to explain all the, why I'm laughing to him. Oh. I'm talking to Sean. I thought you were recapping for the people just tuning in. For the people at home, I'm drinking a cup of tea and Sean's drinking nothing. It's going to be I'm an interesting morning. Yeah, I can't wait to get back off the wagon. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's so awesome. It's all I think about. That's, uh, that's I'm all not you've falling been off, I'm jumping off. Weeks. I'm Superman leaping off that wagon. Yeah, really. Woo! Who needs a wagon? This is the 21st century. Call a cab. You should write those people that invented that <laughs> diet and tell them that the only reason you did it for eight weeks is so your liver could readjust and then you're going to kill it again. That's true. Well, see, they uh, nobody, like, it's sort of a self-invented thing. So, like, that's a, I, I've been typing some stuff up because Lynn's not the only person that asked for more details on this. So I'm having to, to develop the program so I can send it to people. I'll, I'll probably have to modify it to make it a little bit more lean proof. It'll probably have to include chocolate and pr- Pringles as well. But oh, well, you know what the, the overall point of it is to you, you start out really strict, but as you go, the point of it is to start developing what works for you. You know, because everybody's different. That's what I. That's why the idea to me is in the first phase you drop everything because that's the most extreme change but then as you start reintegrating those foods you like you still keep paying attention to your weight and your health in my case i'm going to be doing blood work like i got blood work at the beginning of the the eight weeks and now that the first eight weeks is almost over i'm going to get blood have you work been videotaping any of this you, sh- you could have made this into a proper documentary yeah but i don't have a proper camera or anything i'm not a proper <laughs> documentarian but it's just going to be pictures of me standing on a scale going i hope that i'm Smaller. <laughs> it's boring. But I, this, it's going into the book. It's, this is this is definitely going to be the topic of my next memoir. You should get the wee fit. It tells you when things. you're fat. I get on every morning. It's like, boom, boom, obese. <laughs> no. 
That's terrible. And it has a little figurine and it makes a little figure fat. And it's like, oh, beast. <laughs> makes little pig noises. You're not helping. You're just making me <laughs> see, it makes it seem kind of fatalistic now. Turns out feeling bad about yourself isn't a very good motivator. Who knew? Yeah. Well, the millions of studies that they've done over the last however many years that told you that <laughs> it's yeah, not a good know. motivator. Who knew? Science knew, all the, Sean. All of those scientific research. <laughs> they always think they know everything. Like the Just Say No campaign doesn't work. Yeah, well, Stephen Hawking's like, out there saying, oh, this is really small, and this is really small, and this started out really small, and that's really small, and, and ergo, there's never been a god. It's like, what, because things are small? Yeah. Because we started out at almost nothing. Well, you started that sentence off wrong with Stephen Hawking says. <laughs> well, you know, he's supposed to be the smartest guy in the world, and he sits there and says, and this explains why there's no universe possible where God can exist. It's like, well, that's pretty limited to be like a guy who just, you just explain, I mean, you really did just, just completely reduce the universe down to literally nothing. And ended the sentence with, and therefore there's no God. It's like, that's the, that's the bleakest, saddest, most limited thing I've ever heard. And therefore you also do not exist. Well, that's the easiest way to get attention. <laughs> I guess that's it, really. Because scientists, when they, they feel oh, like they're not yeah. being paid attention, they just take a crack at God. That's the most fun thing to do. I guess. <laughs> so that's all sorts of good arguments. Well, <laughs> if that makes them feel good. that's, yeah, that's Well, that's one of the things that unites... One of the things that really unites the, the atheists and the Christians is a love of arguing about it. I guess, and if it brings them together that way, that's nice. It's nice that they're talking. Yeah, the opposite of love is indifference. So so if they hate each other, then really they kind of secretly all want to make out. Yeah, I'm sure that's it. Atheists and Christians across the world have been passionately arguing with each other for years. It's like moonlighting. They secretly <laughs> just want to hook up. What would Papa say? You're Are listening you to TV Ape My Dinner, by Sorry. the way. I'm just saying goodbye to Ben. Hang on. Bye, sweet. This is already the weirdest episode we've ever done. Hello, Sean. Goodbye, Sean. <laughs> hey, Greg. Ben. Greg's not there. Greg's never Greg. here. Oh, I thought you were talking to Greg before. No, it's uh, Rusty. <laughs> uh, well, don't I look like an ass? Shut the door. Shut yeah, the door. Greg is not with us. Rusty is sitting in with us tonight. That's right. <laughs> Hello, Rusty, everyone. A Venus Skytrap fan. <laughs> this is the worst start of a show ever. We have that, that may that's probably not true. <laughs> it could what? be true tonight. Why did he but, not turn off the TV when he left? I'm podcasting. I oh, hang on. <laughs> so my name is Sean. That's Lynn turning off the TV, and Rusty is with us. How's it going? How's it going? Maybe tonight we can get some stuff accomplished to something really, really good. I think so. I've already we I already shared some of, some of my health secrets <laughs> that I, where where I'm tr cracking the code of the human body. That's right. And we debunked the smartest man in the world's theory that there is no God. <laughs> yeah, Does it look weird? Oh well, that's okay. Can you save that and just start recording again? Because I don't want to redo that intro. That was pitch perfect. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to screw with our vibe. Recording. Excellent. Recording number two. <laughs> right, Let's back. see if we can get this show on the road.
had our first mishap within the first five minutes. It's not. It's not really my record, though, is it? Oh, I don't. Yeah, we. <laughs> I think the last time you went out in thirty <laughs> seconds, and then we couldn't get you back on yeah. the show at all. You said, "Welcome to TV at my dinner," and I went, "Blink." <laughs> you went like, "Hello," <laughs> and that's it. And sometimes that's okay because that's usually what Greg does. Greg just doesn't show up in the first place. Yeah, I could have just played. We always say we're going to play the recording of him saying, "This is Greg." And yeah, then and then some laughing. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see how that plays. All right. Well, it's actually, about the same as talking to Bron. How would you know? No one ever speaks to me. <laughs> yeah, really? She's like, "Why is everyone not talking to me? Why are they talking to me through you, Sean?" And I'm like, "Why is that? <laughs> is Sean the only one who speaks robot?" <laughs> Am I an interpreter? At least I participate in the conversation. Well, she's sensitive. And I post on the forum also. <laughs> You always make her insulted by stuff. Well, she's learning how to be a woman. <laughs> well, that's a good start. Uh, yeah. She's going to be an interesting woman because she's going to be a woman from a man's perspective. Her first, yeah, her first impression of, of the human female was just to be irritated by everything the man does. It seems a valid she's observation. Growing. Well, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty close. So people already can't tell the difference. Yeah, and who better to explain on how to be a woman than Sean? Who better to irritate the female? Then Sean. Like a monkey. A monkey with a gun. <laughs> Shouldn't have any trouble agreeing with that. <laughs> okay, so, but tonight, we're actually going to talk about, I guess we're really going to do sort of an odd tribute to this, this sort of, uh, mock docs, like, thriller movies, like the Blair Witch genre, mm. which has become a genre despite, despite what I Despite what everyone thought. thought. Well, and I still think I'm correct in this because the so so seldom turns out a winner, and these do follow the same formula. I mean, I, I think we're gonna talk. Rusty and I had the opportunity to see um, Apollo 18. Yeah, I saw that. I have seen it. You did watch that? Yeah. I'd... Oh, good. I I do have some I I, I do have some positive points on this movie, but but I think ultimately I, I don't think it was a success in what it tried to accomplish. <laughs> No, <laughs> I don't think it was scary. I certainly didn't find it scary. Well, it was silly, you know. The the scary yeah. parts become like the the. I really liked the production quality of the movie, like it, that they tried their best to shoot it from these sort of period looking cameras. Yeah, it really was crappy footage. Yeah, it really, but it was clever because it's actually hard to fake that like level of authentic crap. Yeah, it's hard like, to, to fake look. crap. Did they just get crap cameras. Like, it looks like, yeah, they just got old film cameras and filmed themselves and whatever, and they probably still had to affect it to make it look older, which yeah. I don't know why, because, like, what, it was going bad on the moon for 50 years? Yeah, well, well you know, I... everything spoils when you go to the moon. Yeah, the space, you know. Nothing can last in a vacuum. Everyone knows that. <laughs> in a fully well, oxygen-free I mean, environment. When I'm watching it, I'm watching it, and all of these crackling and all of these bad effects, I'm like, somebody's obviously edited this together. They wouldn't, I mean, taking the premise that it's actually found footage, like they wouldn't yeah. put a little eraser over those bits. And that know? doesn't work at it. all, that found footage thing. You know, that drives me crazy because, you know, just spoiler alert, if you guys care, we're going to rip this thing wide open. And it's not going to take much because not a whole lot happens in the movie. <laughs> yeah. We should we just put a spoiler you, alert. We, give we should you put a spoiler alert on the top of our webpage saying, we will spoil every movie. This because every spoils. episode starts with, we're going to talk this about this. This show spoils yeah. everything. 
I think I like that's that. true no matter how, whatever angle you look at it. That's, yeah, I, I would, I'd agree with that. This show spoils everything. So every movie but I'm going to talk about, I will tell you the ending. Because, you know, and this is where the Blair Witch thing, the Blair Witch thing kind of works because they say we lost these tapes out in the woods and there's sort of a built-in sort of premise that the something intended for these tapes to be found, you know, like the ring or something. Hmm. Well, that's, I know, I know you haven't watched it yet, but the tunnel actually deals with that quite well. I'm going to watch that. That's the one you can download for free from BitTorrent. They yeah, like this released is an a movie Australian, on this is an Australian movie where they, they have gotten um, individuals from the public to put in money to make the movie. Everyone's, you know, bought like a minute of film or a second of film or something like that. So everyone's put in a little bit of movie money. They've made the movie and now it's online for free and you can buy the DVD if you like. And it has That's special That's a very extra clever idea. I, I, so. I support that whole concept. And it, and they've made a really cheap movie, a found footage movie. That's why people like them. They're very cheap. And it's quite effective. And it, I, mean, I, I really like, I really enjoyed it. I, I found it quite creepy and enjoyable ride, you know, so... Well, download that, folks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna download that. And I really wanted to see it before we had a chance to record, but I just, I, I just haven't had a chance. Well, maybe we'll do it again later. A, a couple of days ago. Yeah, because we're kind of doing. I, I do think we're gonna cover that found footage POV genre right now. But, but yeah, we can come back to to that. We'll, we'll do a follow up discussion. Because it's one of the biggest failings with found footage movies is how do you end it and how do you get the premise to work that somebody has just found this footage? Yeah, uh, because most the of them work. tend to end with everybody died. Well, I think the problem with, with a Blair Witch or anything where we found a bunch of footage or whatever and we'll believe that it somehow survived all that, that's fine. But how did they find this footage on the moon? Yeah, see, There's that's the thing. Only... Is how, how did how did they recover the footage on the moon? But at the same time, how did it survive when when the atmosphere would absolutely crush it? Well, I don't know. I guess it's cold and everything, but. But there's a lot of technical issues that I have with that because the same thing I like about the movie being shot from all these different cameras. Yeah, sure, if everything was recording for one and you had access to it all for another. But, you know, they're going outside and, you know, there's sound on these cameras. And I'm talking about, like, they're moving the rover around and you can hear, like, the sound of the rover and things like that. Mm. It's like, first of all, is there sound on the moon? I don't know things. There is atmosphere. There's a mild atmosphere. I don't know how sound carries on the moon, like how much. But uh, even if there was, the only sound we're really getting while these astronauts talk to each other is over their walkies on their comp. Like, so you wouldn't, even if there is sound in the background, you're not going to get very much that they're picking up through their spacesuits and helmets, but we're hearing it. Yeah, we, we hear the sound of the, um, spoiler alert, crabs. On the moon, space crabs, the rocks that turn into space crabs. <laughs> yeah. Somehow they watched they watched Pirates of the Caribbean and thought that's a great idea. Let's put it on the moon. Yeah, and it might work. Like as far as at first when they're talking to each other, because yeah, they do record audio separately and all this. Because we we've seen the the moon shots. They keep this stuff for documentation. Fine, but he's like running away with a film camera, and at that point he's filming because every one of these found footage mock docs does this where there's a moment where they say keep filming we have to document this that's like the big thing yeah, yeah but that guy yeah. reiterates they, it that line that guy reiterates that it like three or four times yeah because they have to like hit us but the problem is that by the time he's running away from the space crabs 
in the end of the movie, and he's running with a film camera, which I don't think those old film cameras even have built-in audio. Now, I could be wrong on that, but even if they did, you know, first of all, the reels don't last very long if you're saying that he's stuck out there somewhere recording constantly because they just have him recording in the little pod. Like, I don't know how many roll, like reels they sent these guys out with. but <laughs> They must but, have sent I them mean, out with 400,000 reels. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Because, and you'd see them piling up in the spaceship because like, they're just shooting constantly. <laughs> Could you imagine Film. if they were trudging around you know through the I film think? cans? <laughs> this this could have worked really well as a concept if it was um, an audio play instead. Because you could have just said we were recording all of their comm from Earth. Well, so I we think never it went actually together, would have worked we... if the idea of the found footage concept was that we were recording a feed back coming back to NASA. Yeah, yeah see, they didn't actually... actually do that, did they? No, because they were saying that they can't see us. They don't know what's going on. It's like, well, you know, you get overrun by space crabs, and they won't even let you back. They quarantine <laughs> you where they won't even let you come back to Earth. So you die. All the footage is there. Well, clearly they didn't send somebody back for the footage because they know that it's overrun with spacecraft. Well, here's my thing: is they how how did the rover. how did the footage of the guy in the end get out if his spaceship blew up? <laughs> Well, his spaceship blew up. That, that is true. They sort it of make it look up. like they just had this collision. Yeah, like so it wasn't like, even on the moon. It was it was out in space somewhere. So how? Yeah, and this idea that somehow that found its way to Earth would only explain why we saw the last five minutes, not these like endless reels that we shot beforehand. I mean, that premise doesn't. When it comes to found footage, especially, but any movie, this is true. I mean, you buy the premise, you buy the bit, and. I don't buy it at all because I knew going in, I was like, how are they going to facilitate this idea that this footage was recovered? From and the by moon. the end, you're just like, ugh. <laughs> it was like 180. For the first hour of the movie, not one damn thing happens. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, it's pretty it's, boring. It's neat as from a documentary perspective because it feels like you're actually watching a moon, like a moon shot. That's exactly how I felt. That's why I was just, I was reading crack.com. I was just like, this is boring. I don't care about the moon landing. And I looked up and I'm like, oh, look, crabs in his helmet. Maybe I'll start watching. But, but by then the, the, the horror element becomes like overt and stupid. It's like, I thought, well, maybe this will be a subtle kind of thing. You know, when it happens, like (laughs) "Mm -mm, he's running (laughs) around, he's chasing him across the moon with a hammer. (laughs) Crabs in the helmet. I mean, and that dude, for some reason, getting crabs in your helmet makes you go all possessed like exorcist. You're, Don't touch my body. What's well, Brian, with that? You see the crab in his helmet. I'm thinking like Star Trek Two. I'm thinking this thing like burrows into his head like an earwig or something. But then they find it actually embedded in his rib. Yeah. And they pull it and out. I'm like, well, what the? Why the hell was it in his helmet? Why didn't it run in his mouth? He's screaming bloody. Yeah, murder. and I think as a last as a, as a last ditch effort, they you know they tried to do the whole shock value of stuff popping out at you. Yeah, over the top, stupid yeah. stuff. Like I thought it, it kind of was. I felt like it was really one of those. It was trying really hard to be a dozen other found footage movies put together. So they're like, we have to have somebody go mad, and we have to have something. We have to have some sort of creature, and we have to have them all die. You know, there like have it to be weird sounds. It's Blair Witch in, in space. And, I said it was Blair Witch's face before we went, but it really is. Well, like they're like, did you hear that outside? Well, it it's was exactly and and paranormal the, activity in space as well because you have the some person going crazy. Down to the down to the bit where the guy stands and watches him sleeping. Yeah, that's just creepy. Yeah, that is right out of paranormal activity. I'm like, there. what is this? Paranormal activity in space. 
I think the whole premise of the whole handy cam, you know, found footage, documentary style films is, is they haven't quite got the formula right. And then you have the stupid weird hybrid like Clover Cloverfield, and it's like, you know, the handy cam thing just doesn't doesn't work for me. I think Cloverfield actually worked because it was fun to see a big concept movie from that perspective. But I don't think the I premise ever works. Like I get, I mean, it was felt more believable in it than in, when he's saying, you know, I got to film this because because you would. There are actually like nine eleven. You'll see like a lot of the footage that came out of that was people filming, like on their you you know, watch, cameras and phones. You got to watch the tunnel. They sorted out in the tunnel. But. But at the same time, I didn't like the scene in Cloverfield where they're like playing with the night vision and see the monsters. It's kind of a fun little like little scene, scary wise. But like, I would totally not be looking through that crap. You know, there's got to be. I don't understand why people never have flashlights, even on the moon. I have a list of like I, I made a little brief like how to survive space kind of list for this movie, <laughs> and that's one of the things that drives me crazy. Is like this guy's down in a crater on the moon. And he doesn't have a flashlight. He it's just like has he's, that strobe he's light. snapping which, the which camera is, to see things. Which is just there so we can have that cool moment when it's like, oh my god, there's a face. And yeah. you know, and they do it well because you see it coming a mile away, but I actually oh, did. I was like, wow. Ooh. But still, it's like you know that's what's going to happen because that's the only reason to do that. I the think first they thing did... I thought was they brought in the puppet from Hellboy. You know, why would you go in the crater anyway with a stupid camera strobe? So, you know, in that part of the movie, it doesn't work out for him because he finds the dead body or whatever. But then at the end of the movie, when he chases his buddy into the crater, after he knows he's full-blown psycho and tried to kill him with a hammer. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. That that guy Drake makes me crazy. Because it's like, I'm not leaving guy, you behind. Like, there won't Nate, be any footage. Nate! That's one of my. That's on my list too. It's like, why are you yelling? We have walkie-talkies plugged into our ears. You're yelling through space, <laughs> idiot! I can hear you. Why are you yelling? They do this in space movies all the time. It makes me nuts. Well, it also goes into your rule that you said about uh, quarantine when you watched it. If it can't, if it can't see you, be quiet. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's that's a good that, rule. That and was stop- in the tunnel as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was yelling that at the screen. It can't see you. Be quiet. And it was almost exactly like the one in Quarantine and Wreck. Like in the tunnel, there's a moment where they have the they have the night vision camera on and they can see the monster eating something. And the girl goes, oh, and it looks up. And you're like, oh, crap. I know. We are like went through five minutes of establishing that it can't see us and it's feeling around for us. And then it gets her friend. And she's like, no. It's like, shut up. Yeah. He died for nothing now. Because if you could get away while he's being eaten, then at least he accomplished something. My thing is, you know, even if we were friends or not, dude, if I look out the window and you've got a space crab in your face, I'm probably not going out there to save you. He's got these bloodshot (laughs) eyes and he keeps saying weird things. And then he starts chasing you around with a hammer. He does, they do everything in this movie. Because at first I thought, this is an interesting idea because, you know, this has a built-in reason why you can't just get away. Like Alien, you know, why don't we just leave? Because we're in a spaceship, man. There's nowhere to go. You know, you're next to this guy. He's a weirdo. It's not like I could just, like, go out. I can't just draw a line down the middle of the tent. You know, we're stuck here. But then he, his friend's a weirdo. He's doing all this crazy stuff. He's like, I don't know what's up with Nate. And he goes to bed. Yeah. <laughs> and I then Nate gets up I in the middle of the night and watches him sleep. I cannot stress enough, and we've said this before with other movies, 
first of all, I can't sleep under normal conditions. I never sleep. If there was a guy with a space crab in his head, they caught it. They knew there was a space crab. He pulled it out of him. And a hammer. And that guy got space crazy and started saying weird things and tried to choke me out for seeing if he's okay. I'm not going to sleep next to him. Yeah, but then the weird thing was is, is after Buddy went psycho with the hammer, you know, when he started beating the spaceship, they went back to sleep. (laughs) <laughs> like is it, is it exhausting being in space maybe when we Even wake in up Nightmare the on Elm will Street be movies like you guys don't have any coffee up there anything I would at least take the hammer from him and I would be trying to stay awake but they just go to bed it makes me nuts man it's not like it's getting dark so you have to sleep right? yeah. it's not like you've got a regular <laughs> yeah. sun cycle that's telling we've you we've got you have a big day now. tomorrow of you being a psycho and trying to kill me It isn't bad enough that he went to sleep with Buddy's eyes all bloodshot and crazy and him like saying the crazy (laughs) stuff he was saying, but it's, it's even worse to fall asleep after he's went psycho with a hammer. After he already wrecked half the ship. Well, why wasn't he like... You don't see the writing on the wall? Why wasn't he doing more to try and get him off the moon? Like he's obviously sick. What about, I don't know, trying to get him back to earth so he can have a doctor? He doesn't ever think about that. I don't understand why they don't go, hey, guys, let's scrap the mission. You know, he got space crap. <laughs> or even he just got a cut in him, like whatever that is. He's injured. He's yeah, bleeding. You have, yeah, you don't have to drop the, the space crap bomb if you're afraid. Because first of all, if you got sent on a top secret mission to the moon by the Department of the Defense, of Defense, you ought to know that you're probably not coming back. Well, I like how they like... The only reason to not tell someone you're going is that because they don't have to tell people... What, well, what is the government thinking? Oh, the Russians died up there. Well, we'll send some of ours. I'm sure they'll survive. Let's walk through the timeline of this movie because that doesn't make sense to me either because basically they say in the movie that the Russians were there like hours previous. It was hours previous. Like they half expected to find the uh, the Russians alive wandering around in spacesuits. Why were they going and up there so, just to beat so Russian ass? We, we thought the Russians might be here already. It's like, what's what's the plan? Like, like again, I'm trying to buy the premise. The Russians story. are on our I'm moon. I'm trying to buy the premise. Yeah, but then they, they suggest that the Department of Defense knew that there were these space crabs that these things that they were putting up there would attract. Because they're putting up these things that send out a signal that attract Yeah, that, that absolutely makes no sense. I'm, I'm with I Lynn. I was like, why would we send our people up there if there's already Russians up there dead? And Let's then, wait and see what happens to the Russians. Well, they say that they were surprised to see the Russians. Like, they didn't expect that they were already there. But at that point, you know, why wouldn't, like, th- their idea of creating, like, this sinister NASA subplot, like, made no sense. They are like, they set us up. I was like, why? So that they could quarantine us here and never get the crap that they're trying to get? Why, why would they quarantine them when they found space crabs? Because the only reason to send them up there is because they want them. Well, it seems like to me that the scientists would want to see one of the space crabs, so we, they should yeah. have brought them home anyway. So why they're, they're now like, we won't allow you to come home because you have space crabs. It's like, <laughs> yeah. why did you send me here, jerk off? Yeah. Why didn't they send somebody else with like a spacesuit that was crab-proof and a box to hold the crabs in? <laughs> yeah. What crab is the possible proof. benefit if they knew was crabs, of why not, them Why not Ill. arm them, forewarned is forearmed, yeah, you know? Well, this, that should be a requirement like a of going in space. Thing, but why not tell them? They're, they're professionals. They're like yeah, they're military guys. They're more likely to get killed. Well, we should they're like here, you know. We should just. We, we should, think there's something weird. Up we there. should design a space crab tolerant suit. <laughs> yeah, really. And just say, hey, look, man. And really, how bad do you think the space crabs are that you can't can't quarantine this pod when it comes down? Well, my thing is, is how did it get in the dude's helmet in the first place? 
I'm guessing that it burrowed through the suit at the point where the where it struck his ribs. But yeah, why didn't he start decompressing like immediately? Yeah, because remember he he was standing out there and all he says was, "I feel something moving in my suit." And then he turns around and you see the stupid little crab thing on his face. And then he like I could have already away. been in the suit. But what why did he run away? <laughs> because he because he was getting attacked yeah, by something. That's the because he wasn't part. thinking logically. Sometimes you just that, see something and you say, like, "Oh, I'm running away." But if the sample was already inside the ship and that's how it got in his suit, then why, why even bother with outside? the suit? They suggest that he, by going out there, that's how he gets the space crab. So are we to assume that all moon rocks are space crabs? That's what they try to say in the, the end thing. <laughs> They've been given out to had, diplomats. It's like, so they what? had all it's of the crab. samples already. They had all of the samples already in the ship, so there was no need for him to go out to get a crab because they they're already moving around inside the ship. They yeah, already, like, why is this rock on the floor? Yeah, before it was in a suit, it w- you did see a little glimpse of it in the ship. And the suggestion well, a, yeah, why is the that rock on moon the floor? rocks that have already come back and have been given to people work space crabs, then why did we send them there at all if we knew that? Why do we want space crabs? Why are there space crabs on the moon? You're ignoring the bigger question. If these are parasites that live on humans, they're a very, very poorly evolved creature. Why are they living on the moon where there's only ever been 13 people going? And how are they living on the moon? Because the science of that is ridiculous. Like, what... I mean, you're... They're a perfect species in the fact that they live, like, they can live in conditions where you could just be a rock. Okay. I'll just but be a rock for why would they have any kind of symbiotic or parasitic relationship with human beings? Yeah, I have to. Be, I have to eat people. People are my main prey, or maybe even blooded things, whatever. But and why would you? Why would you be on the moon? Why would you not be on Earth to start with? And why? Why was the Russian lander any more capable of taking off? Because wasn't it wrecked when they found it? Yeah, it was. It was semi-wrecked. Because remember, he said it looked like somebody went crazy in here. Like- yeah, and did the same thing. So how come? I mean, the Russians died, so we assume they couldn't take it off. Well, or are we assuming that the, the Russians abandoned their people too? That's another thing too. Is why you know why did the ship keep having a a power outage every time they tried to take off? But then when the buddy climbs into the Russian one, like immediately he just that he doesn't even know how to fly. It's like it flies like a dream, and there's wires hanging out of everything. <laughs> And then he just fly straight into his friend, and they all die. That's it's like mirrors. Like have you, Russian space technology is it holds up pretty well. We're running the mirror off a watch battery for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had that damn rabbit on there. Those guys, those guys are real men. We don't take the guinea pigs out to space to study them. We take them to power the spaceship. That's right. Yeah, they run on their little wheels. The wheel. That's right. The cosmonauts <laughs> are better than we are. Well, they, I'm sure they're tougher. That space program was, had a lot more fatalities th- than ours did. Yeah, but they couldn't survive Sorry. the moon crabs. <laughs> yeah, well, nobody thinks of everything. Plus, the dead Russians. That's I'm going to call that the Leviathan rule, because have you ever seen the movie Leviathan? No. And I believe this happened in that movie Virus. Usually happens in crappy thrillers that happen in the ocean, but space is applicable. If you go a place and a bunch of Russians got killed there, you need to get the hell out. Yeah, because yeah, because <laughs> whatever can kill them. Yeah, like they come I don't from care Russia. what you guys say. It killed a bunch of Russians. Let's go. Maybe we should call it the Napoleon Rule. Don't, don't mess with the Russians. <laughs> it is. They call it the rule too. We learned that lesson. Everybody's learned that. Russians don't are tougher than you. Russians. So if they're dead, then you should get the hell out of there. Yeah, it's something that just killed a whole bunch of Russians. Just pack up and leave. 
You know what I think is funny it's about this movie is that we're, we're calling all of these plot holes just like from like a brief viewing of it, NASA has come out and said this movie isn't real. Is that necessary, NASA? <laughs> Do you really think there's going to be people like, oh, this, this proves it, this proves it, it was all fake? Like, really? You know what actually I find interesting is that NASA even allowed their name and logo for the use of the movie, like the Apollo thing, because they get – I mean a lot of that stuff is, is – kind of public domain except in the sense of using it for commercial purposes so but i remember when farscape came out nasa wouldn't allow them to say that ben browder's character was a nasa astronaut they made up some space agency because they didn't believe the wormhole theory held up it's like dude it's a guy that goes into space and and is on a spaceship with a bunch of puppets maybe nasa doesn't That's have the power that like, it used to yeah well it did get shut down maybe they're just happy that That's anyone right, they cares. did get yeah. shut down so yeah, really, they're getting privatized. Like, look, we got outsourced. I don't care what. Which is funny. Yeah, they wouldn't let that guy use NASA's name in his in their movie. But when old uh, Bruce Willis and and all those guys from Armageddon went up, they were NASA astronauts. <laughs> yeah, really. They're like, yeah, this is perfectly. This That's right. Happen. Nothing says NASA astronaut like Steve Buscemi <laughs> <laughs> running a bomb, really, like a bunch of oil drillers. Look, you can't. Drilling holes in rocks is an art. I can't teach a bunch of astrophysicists how to do it, but I'm pretty sure that you could teach a bunch of us oil drillers how to be spacemen in a week. You know, I'm pretty sure, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, I would probably give this movie like a 4. I would actually say the first half I enjoyed better because I liked the production quality, and I really do think that if you're a NASA buff, like I would tell Greg to watch this because he'd probably enjoy the... You know the he can just the turn dramatization. off the, the space crabs bit because he'd get a bit scared. Yeah, if the space crabs get scary, turn it off because the movie gets dumb from that point anyway. But get your little girls to cover your eyes, Greg. Yeah, really. They'll tell you when the scary parts are over. Yeah. <laughs> well, just when when as soon as the space crab turns up, just turn it off because after that, it's just a horror movie. It doesn't it's, have any cool space stuff. It's a bad horror movie. It's I really get disappointed because I was really enjoying it i mean i i was accepting that it was sublime and slow i was like i'll take this because i'm at least buying into well, the premise like moon. of it like moon moon was a good one yeah moon's weird too but but yeah it, but moon, it has that slow sort of yeah and i'll thing. accept that because it's a different way you know i'm a jim jarmusch fan sometimes you put a you invest a lot to get a little yeah, and you know, yeah. my thing was, like I said before, I think they realized like halfway through filming that it was really crappy, so they tried to throw in the shock value of a horror film. Yeah, of a traditional yeah. horror movie. This is where the POV movies go wrong a lot, where once the they've done all they can do with the POV idea, then they just shoot it like it's a regular movie, but they don't tell anybody. Then they're just doing standard horror movie stuff, and it doesn't work. Like flashing work. lights. There's actually a really old, like one of the first, this movie actually came out before Blair Witch, but it wasn't good. So it didn't get famous like Blair Witch called, I want to say it's called The Last Broadcast. If you can yeah, find something like movie. that. I've heard of that. It's, I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it's it. It's a front runner. It's a forebear of this genre because it really was a new idea when they did it and it did come out before Blair Witch. It's not good though and the, the POV doesn't work at all, but... But I, that, it reminded me of that because it's sort of like the POV. They kind of forget how to do it at the end. Blair Witch 2 is like that where they're trying to do a POV thing even though it's a commercial studio film. And they're trying to say we found this footage, whatever. It's like, yes, but you actually have a shot of them burying the tapes. There can't <laughs> be a shot of them burying the tapes because that's the, that's the footage. <laughs> 
can't see that. That's we're watching those tapes. Yeah, I think I think though on all levels the being in space the POV really works because that would be the only way to get footage from up there. I think that premise on on you know is is correct in that you know POV would work in space. POV. For the first half I was buying it. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, I thought there were some times when I was like, where is the camera now? There were some times when I was like, how are they getting that angle of that crab when he has the camera in his hand? Or There were times when I was confused as to where exactly the camera was and what was going on. But because they, the part of the premise was that there was some anticipation that they would see something. They had more there cameras were, set up. You, you accepted that there were more cameras, some of which were you know, old school video cameras, I think, and not just film cameras like they were using primarily. So I could buy that, but I would have bought it much more if those guys had been sent to space to look for life. You know what I mean? Like if it hadn't been some kind of weirdo conspiracy thing that didn't make sense, if they just said there's something up there. Yeah, if they would have said something like, you know, hey, the cosmonauts went up there and they haven't returned back. We need to go up and check and see what's going on. Yeah, that would work a lot better. And again, if the footage was was recovered based on a feed back to NASA that was then recorded. Just like, I mean, the moon landing was on TV. They can do it. The technology existed. Hmm. Yeah, when Sean and I went to the movies, we had a weirdo, creepy guy that come in about 20 minutes into the movie and just decided to stay. <laughs> yeah, he, did, he came in and then he left when the trailers were on and didn't come back till they were over. And then uh, we got stuck behind an old man going towards the bathroom who just... He must have farted for like two straight minutes on the way to the bathroom, and we decided not to go because I was afraid he had an accident. <laughs> yeah, he may have had okay. some. Yeah, he it, may have. It was a fun experience. That's what I went to see. Don't be afraid of the dark. Yeah. So so bad. Oh my god. <laughs> Worse than Apollo. But really? What, it, I heard that. It, it became worthwhile because it the it kept messing up over and over again, and they kept having to come in and try to fix it. And the for movie. a while, that made it work because the movie was boring and dumb. So dumb. Was it worse than like, this movie, like, though? Yes, because this movie, for one, at least tried. You could tell they tried really hard and they just failed. And I can accept that more. I can almost accept you not knowing what you're doing more than I can accept, like, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro knows what he's doing. You know, he wrote this thing. It's it's script. The script is what fails. So, I mean, it's it, he should know better. But it's it's horrible near the end. I don't even, I didn't see how it ended because it actually got to the point where it was clear they weren't going to fix it, and we all left. But we all stayed with it near to the end. I stayed with it until the black girl in the front decided she was going to leave, and I was like, "Well, then I'm not watching anymore." Because the whole movie, she was like, "Don't go in there, go through the window." So, <laughs> you did have a very awesome. different experience watching these movies, depending on where you are. Because you know, I was sitting at home watching these movies yesterday, and Apollo 18 is just like, man, this is boring. But I, when I watched the first Paranormal Activity movie, I was in the theater, and I had all of that, all the people around me screaming, and I had so much fun laughing yeah, at them. That movie was fun. yeah. That's why you know and a lot of people don't movie. go to the movies. A lot of people don't go to the movies because of the price. But I strictly go to the movie because I want the experience of going to the movie. Especially when people get involved and screaming and hollering. Yeah, if you're yelling oh at the screen. Oh my god, I hate clowns! Yeah, you're. Oh my god, that was awesome in Zombieland because <laughs> that chick lost it when the clown popped up, and like that's perfect. Like if you're on the phone, then I'm gonna smack you. But if you're getting into the movie, then then I'm having fun. 
I, oh. I know people. We had a bunch of that, teenagers uh, in there when we were watching even, Hellboy Don't even don't even like you to talk about the movie when you're watching it on video. Like, we had a bunch of teenagers in at Hellboy in too. That was they were just they were talking like they were yelling at the movie, and I was yelling back at them, and it was so much fun. They're like, "Oh my god, she stabs herself!" And it's like, "Of course she did!" And everyone's laughing at me. <laughs> I always yell at people in the theater. We I forget what movie we were going to go see, but we were sitting there before the movie started, and this group came in, and there was already a guy there going. Tell me why we're going to see this movie. And I was like, because you bought the ticket, jerk off. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. it's awesome to be in the dark yelling things at people. You yeah. become like 80% smarter. It's like the internet. <laughs> yeah, you can talk shit Just without nobody knowing. ripping yeah. people. <laughs> Well, what's funny though in the movies, it's good nature. It's like when you, when you rip on people, everyone laughs, you know, and and it it, it sort of becomes good natured. I like uh, the movie. Going to the movies is a fun shared experience, and I and I enjoy that. I mean, I really enjoyed watching Don't Be Afraid of Dark, and it was horrible. And I'll tell you, I will tell you this: why it's so bad? Because it teeters for a good long while, but it does a thing that horror movies do that I can't forgive. It's there comes a point where someone just lays it out for him and says, look, there's little creatures in the house. They eat children's teeth. They go after the kids. The kids at the house alone. Okay? Are you following me? <laughs> All right? You don't go to the library to research this after I told you that. You go home. It's like the lady Because while in she's the... at the library learning about gnomes or whatever, <laughs> they're crawling into the bathtub with the kids. Doesn't she have the internet? Why does everyone go to the library and, these days in movies? Oh, th there's a reason. Because it's some private collection of the guy who owned the house and all this nonsense. But who cares what the deal with the gnomes is? Something is trying to eat the kids' teeth. Who leaves the kids at home by <laughs> so themselves anyway? Go, Take the kid with home. you. Yeah, isn't the kid in that movie like six years old? It's like the girl like in the Horror. My husband's gone crazy and he started to hit the kids with hammers. Why don't I go to the library? This is like Orphan or uh, I forget the other movie, but there was another. There's a lot of these douchebag dad movies where yeah. the dad is totally you know, a total dipshit about the, everything. And, you know, he's just like, and that's what he is. Because like, Katie Holmes is like the step Paranormal activity girlfriend, too. like not even the stepmom in a Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Yeah, but that dad was just beyond clueless. But yeah, another dipshit dad movie. But he's like that. It's Guy Pierce, and he's like, look, I've got a lot of busy things going on. I've got my architectural things. I can't be worried about her getting her teeth eaten by gnomes. <laughs> so Katie has to deal with the weirdness of things. But they finally say, and then there's like a big... They get there. She's packing a bag. She's going to take the kid out, and he's like, look, okay, I'll tell you what. I'm going to have my big party to impress the, the, the architectural people, and then we'll go, okay? Just stay through the party, and then we'll go, okay? It's always one of them. And she's like, okay. And then, of course, the kid gets locked in a room with a bunch of gnomes, and it breaks up the party, and the guy gives her a pill and puts her to bed. Like, what is with people going to bed? <laughs> Did we not clearly say we were going to a hotel because of the gnomes? Why not send the kid to grandma's house? Really? I mean, I she doesn't know. need the, to be at the party the, anyway. The print screwed up to the point. It wasn't a print. It was a digital, actually, uh. presentation that kept messing up. And, fi and I finally, it started jumping to the point where the, everyone was like, forget it. They're not going to fix it. They've rebooted the movie three times. And it was. And I was like, I've seen enough. The girl who was so into it is leaving, so she's not going to be bringing anything to the table anymore. 
I might as well just get my money back. I'll come back tomorrow and watch Fright Night. Have you seen Fright Night? I did. Did you like it? I, I found it to be a, a worthy remake. I was skeptical of it, and there are still some elements of it that I don't really care for. But, you know, structurally, I, I think that they, they tried to to honor the, the the spirit of the original film. And it was fun, and I would recommend that people go see it. It's a fun movie. How was David Tennant? Oh, I love David Tennant. He was good? The well, only... I'll go watch it just to see him. <laughs> oh, we'll watch it. Yeah, he's fun. He gets some good play in the movie. And, you know, They're Chekhov's doing a midnight screening here. Chekhov, that kid, man, he's like the new Boof, except he's only in remakes. <laughs> Like he be he remade Chekhov, he remade Kyle Reese, and he did a remake of Fright Night. It's like God, what happened to all the other Boof roles? How come there's no sidekick roles? I mean, I'm glad he doesn't because Boof irritated me to death with all his comedy sidekick roles starting out, and now now I like the kid. But Chekhov is like the new Boof. I don't know. It's that white boy fro thing going, I guess. <laughs> he's not. He's not chucking glasses of water at his girlfriend and stumbling at a restaurant so yet. He's not quite a Boof level. Is that what Boof does? Boof <laughs> needs to not believe his own press. It's like, I know you're dating Victoria's Secret models on movies, but still. You're just rich and famous right now. I don't know. Yeah, well, he's had a couple head, of famous incidents where he's, he's gotten in trouble in public. That one with the security guard where he was drunk and the security guard just had to lock him up because he was drunk oh. in the shop. How sad. That's pitiful. But I guess a kid like that, you know, he doesn't he's not used to living the lifestyle because he's just a normal kind of dopey looking kid. And then all of a sudden they made him a big movie star and no one can figure out why. <laughs> I'm not that he can't act. I'm just saying it's like he's not someone you'd peg for a movie star. Not for a big action movie but, star anyway. Yeah, like to be in giant like like blockbuster films. So he's done really well. Maybe he needs especially to especially Indiana down. Jones, man. They they should have never comedy given... sidekick. First that of all, they should have never. Everything. Yeah, they should have never made that movie. Yeah, let me tell you what you did wrong. <laughs> that's, that's you made first this film. of all made the movie. Don't be there. Yeah, page one. It's like really page one. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And this is just the script level criticism. We're not gonna. We haven't even gotten to the production problems of the of the film itself. But let's just go through the script, and and let's uh, I'd I'd turn that thing red with a, with a with a red pen. I would. I would <laughs> the script would be them. bleeding with Sean's wrath. It would. It would look like the Necronomicon. By the time I was done <laughs> annotating it. Because <laughs> that's that's really my problem. That's the what I didn't like about Don't Be Afraid of Dark. Because Del Toro didn't direct. He just wrote the screenplay. And it was a screenplay that was bad. I was like, what are you doing, man? You're making me wonder if you, they should let you touch Frankenstein. If you don't get things. Yeah, the Frankenstein is... It has the promise to be really good. I'm, I'm up for a really good Frankenstein movie. I'm a huge Frankenstein fan. But there have been so many bad ones. I'm a huge Conan fan, and that movie was a letdown. Yeah, it was a Oh, letdown. wasn't it just? And <laughs> I think yeah, they need we, to let a girl do Frankenstein. We covered this a lot. I, I'm with you. I actually think, you know, given, yeah, given some of your points, that that a female director would bring a cool sensibility to that story. Because I, I do think that, you, that you're on to it, that, you know, what makes that story so interesting and compelling. But uh, unfortunately, I'm going through Dracula right now. I'm not quite as impressed with that book. 
Yeah, so, it's not as good a book. You know, I don't we'll understand. I don't understand what the big push is now to remake all of our childhood awesome movies. You know, because because it's easy. It's a property that first of all has name value, and second, we, I already own it, so it's half written. What bothers me is not that they remake things because I saw the trailer for the thing, which they're remaking. But the thing was a remake, which is funny. So I'll accept. So it. they're remaking a remake. Oh yeah, and that's not the first time that's ever happened. But but yeah, I mean, it just means that every twenty to thirty years the cycle begins anew. What's got me a little concerned is that it doesn't seem like our generation. Well, our generation's okay, but this generation, these new movies that come out, doesn't seem like anybody's creating any new characters or movies that are gonna get remade they're not, later. They're on. not, and you know we've had this talk many times. It's the fault of the studios. Yeah, we've had this talk many times about you know. If you can really sit back and think, you know, can you really think of a really good action movie that you would watch over and over again or that you had a hero in, like the Predators or the Rockies or the, you know, the Jean-Claude Van Dams or, you know. Yeah, that isn't just, even when they come, it's like when they came back and did Predator again, you're like, oh, this is awesome. But somehow you're watching it now, like, yeah, but, you know, I'm just not feeling it in this one. I don't know why exactly, but this doesn't fire my imagination. Like, Predator was such a cool creature. And like you, we've been watching these movies just because we found that creature cool, and they really haven't been good for years and years. And Alien, they're doing the same thing with Alien, and and I think it's the fault of I don't think it's the studio's fault though. I think it's the director's fault because all of these directors can only do what they're told. Yeah, but most of the great iconic movies that we think of from the '80s were not big studio films. They became franchises for the studios, but they were actually smaller films for the most part. You know, low-budget horror movies, like you know these even low-budget action movies. All the old John Carpenter movies are very small-budget movies, but but they stick with you. You still you know, gotta find someone to give you money. But you didn't need that much money. Maybe the studio system is out of control because they only want to spend two hundred million dollars on a movie. Yeah, and so yeah, you're like, I'm gonna make an action movie for ten million bucks. You're like, whatever. And they're not gonna spend two hundred million unless they've got a proven franchise. Yeah, and then Peter Jackson's gonna make a billion-dollar movie. Well, he can, but it it is like you know, when a Green Lantern comes out and everyone's like, oh, it wasn't as good as we thought it'd be, but it was okay. It's like, yeah, it would've been awesome back in the day. But then you find out that they've spent $200 million on it. It's like, well, yeah, it's got to be a giant mega hit, like a top 10 of all time hit to get that kind of money back. It's like, what are you guys thinking? This is an unknown character. But you could have made that movie for less money, not the kind of money they used to spend on superhero movies. I'm not saying that. Yeah, we don't want to see Spider-Man throwing a rope net on me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't, want to, I don't want to see that 1989 Captain America budget. Or the million-dollar Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Speaking of budget. which, that movie, Captain America, really set the tone for me with its with its kind of era, you know, filming. The I one. agree. That to me, that movie it m- might be my favorite movie of the summer, Captain America. I, of all I the really movies, enjoyed Captain America. Certainly my favorite superhero movie. That one is the one that got it. Yeah. To me. Yeah. The super in the superhero genre, it really knocked it out. Yeah, I liked Green Lantern, but there are problems, and I'd actually like to do a postmortem on Green Lantern at some point because I think I've got some. I think I got some tips that can help you people out because you weren't all the way off the mark. You were close to the mark. I think we could actually, you know, adjust the scope and get this thing right. My favorite movie this year has been Paul. Paul was awesome. I haven't seen that. Which, which one was oh. in that? Paul. It's the Nick Frost oh, and Simon oh, Pegg. 
Yeah, Paul. I've I've got sorry. I've got sorry, it. Sorry, it's my Australian accent. But uh, it's in my queue right now. It's just it hadn't dropped yet. I actually went out and bought it because I like it so much. It's it's such a charming movie. And I'm, I I mentioned in the email. I also watched uh, a Netflix wreck too. I couldn't watch that. They make me sick. The wreck movies. They're just too jumpy. But I think they're the. I like Blair Witch, but I think as far as a POV, I think they're pretty authentic. They certainly. I haven't quarantine two is in my queue, but I haven't gotten it yet. But. It goes Rec in a completely two, different sure direction to nothing, Rec 2. Yeah, they're not related to each other. At all. They're just sequ- <laughs> divergent sequels of different franchises. But Rec 2 is a direct follow-up. It, it takes place in the same building. With the same characters. And it gets weird. Yeah. <laughs> they bring in new people. But, but yeah. yeah, it revolves around the same characters, that you know, following up what happened to them and bringing in new people. And it's weird. Like, their, their concept of what it is they're looking at it takes a direction that I, I didn't expect. That's like demons, isn't it? Because I just I just yeah. watched the end of Rec One last night because I hadn't watched the end of it before, and I just got it's so like sick I couldn't watch Rec Two. thing. But it's like demons. Like they spend like ten minutes. It's been like, oh, now we're gonna spend ten minutes looking at the set design. Nice. <laughs> spend ten <laughs> minutes just like looking at the pictures of demons on the walls and stuff. Yeah, and that's and they go into that a lot more in Rec Two, whereas I think Quarantine breaks it down to like a twenty eight days later. I think in Quarantine it's just a bunch of weird stuff, genetic experiments. Well, and things. Quarantine's the same one except it's on a plane, isn't it? Quarantine Two. Quarantine Two, yeah, it's a it's it's a on a plane, which is done. But zombies on a, plane. on a plane. They did zombies on a plane. <laughs> There's a movie called Flight of the Living Dead. <laughs> which, which I support just for the name. <laughs> That's magnificent. But, and it's not a bad. It's a fun. You could rent that movie. It's a fun little movie to watch. But it, it does get points for cool name. <laughs> oh, and I saw Troll Hunter. That's a good movie, isn't it? I like it. It's fun. It it's a note for note Blair Witch, but it's the idea yeah, but it's is got so wonky and weird that you have to give it to them. But you actually get to see the trolls, which I like better, because I mean that's why I didn't like Blair Witch, because I wanted to see something, and the the trolls in this are very good. They're very well done for a small budget movie. I think for a small budget movie, especially because I think they took a, their cue from Cloverfield too, which is do the POV but give some people some payoff. Yeah, you need a bit of and payoff. they do. They cut to, and I think they look good. Like they look like they're doing these big CG effects. And I appreciated this in Cloverfield also, but you're doing this big CG effect, but it has to look like something that's just shot on a on a on a handy cam. Yeah, I think they did a better job because they really did because it was actually helpful. You know, well, you know, if the compositing doesn't work out quite right, we're going to make it all fuzzy anyway. Yeah, night vision stuff. And... So, so it but helps the trolls are really interesting anyway. creatures. And they're so they're classical. They're the classical ideas of big trolls. ugly looking like, trolls that turn to stone in daylight. <laughs> yeah. And they eat awesome. Christians. <laughs> I love that. I love. And also, yeah, the troll hunter it. himself was an awesome character. Like that's why you pulled you through because you really did have this character to follow, who you really were enamored with. He was so yeah, good. He was such it a was, gruff it's hero. It's an interesting ride. It's an interesting ride the whole way that you'll buy you you buy the premise. And we said that before. If you buy the characters, you'll buy a dumb premise. Yeah. And that's sort of like if you wanna if you're like them and you wanna see what happens next, you're like, wait, what is going on? 
Because I was telling you guys about that movie Rubber. That's you know. <laughs> it's about a time. That's not a character piece of any kind, though. But but at least they keep it so weird that you're like, I've got to see what they do next. It's really hard to look that up without yeah, finding porn. Yeah, I don't know how to help you. I've, it comes right up in Netflix, but but I guess IMDb it. You can find the director. I can't remember his name. I believe he's a French gentleman. So I don't remember his his name. Let's see. Did we cover? Don't let the crazy guy have a hammer. I'm just looking at my rules. You should you should go through the 18. go through the rules. We'll see how they work out with other movies I think as well. We did them in conversation. When the Department of Defense wants to send you to the moon, there's no good in. No, don't it. trust the government. That works Take, in every movie. Yeah, that is that works especially horror Rick. movies, but every movie. And we may have actually said that. That may be a rule we've established. Take a flashlight, which was one of my rules, but obviously... That rule works in every movie. You shouldn't have to feel around a moon crater. It's like, come on. Do astronauts really not take flashlights? Oh, they do that one. I just can't believe they They cover that rule in the tunnel as well. The flashlight rule? Yes, they do. It's it's a very good... You know what a big champion of flashlights are. They cover that rule because they all have flashlights and the flashlights all get stolen. Right at the beginning. Well, that's like, and sometimes you can go too far for the premise. Like, uh, what is it, Thirty Days of Night, where the town weirdo steals all their cell phones and burns them. <laughs> so it'd be Dreams. a lot easier to say that you just knock down the cell phone tower, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. And why not just do that? Like, idiot? how did he find all of, of the that's cell what, phones? Really? Yeah, that's what you get from getting the town weirdo to be your henchman. It's like I stole every every cell phone in town. It's like, dude, in the middle of Alaska, there's one telephone pole. I was sitting here all night waiting for you. That's what you, you couldn't were have doing? just accidentally run a car into it. <laughs> yeah, really, there are many, on. many better ways to stop that. That's, that's what I get for hiring the town nut. <laughs> when you find a wrecked spaceship and a dead astronaut, it's time to go home. Wasn't that wrecked spaceship cool though? I like the Russian, the design of the Russian spaceship. I think it looked like a virus or something. It was awesome. <laughs> Well, that's something that also made me wonder. Could they really fly? They're like, their stuff's very similar to ours. Like, it'd have to be identical because, first of all, maybe he can figure out how to take off. But are you saying this thing's going to couple with their orbiter? (laughs) We'll just go out in our spaceships and the orbiter can catch us with its hands. I guess that was the idea. But, you know, once you're in an orbit like that, I think they're moving pretty fast, you know, because – He's on an orbit. Not he's fast not enough. geosynchronous. Not fast enough, obviously. Yeah. He's not fast enough to avoid a collision. <laughs> not fast enough for my crazy-ass driving. <laughs> the whole time, he's like, you're sending mixed signals. He's like coming like 100 miles an hour going, leave me here, leave me here. Like, dude, what do you think I've got on this thing? We operate mostly on momentum. Besides, we have just enough fuel to get home. I can't be going firing the retros here. I think probably just would have gone, but, 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 just, you know, yeah. full throttle, bang. I'm in a gas can, and I've already had to circle the moon, like, for three days more than we intended. Even idling the thing, you know, thing guzzles. Just life support. All right. When a guy says there's a monster in his helmet and then starts acting weird, don't sleep next to him. <laughs> I've wasps in my brain. That's a line from Paul. <laughs> yeah, really. Just we'll discuss this in the morning after we've had some sleep. Like really? Yeah, but he's he's crazy enough that you feel like you should film him while he sleeps. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have to say, though, I did really like, from a technical perspective, I think the sound design on this movie was really good. Because for one thing, there's no actual musical score. They use the sound design where there's always some kind of ambient sound kicks in that actually sets the tone of what what's supposed to be happening and it's very clever I think that the movie being bad is going to sort of drown out some of the real talent production wise that went into making it yeah even though I give the movie a 4 I, I think there were certain technical aspects of the movie that I enjoyed um, but the overall plot of the movie and how it was executed was really poor yeah I think it's just a failure story wise I think that they, they, they did a good job making it but and that's the thing that makes me craziest of all is like I can't believe the hardest thing to make is the script I can't because that's just words on page the rest is money and all this complicated planning I think that's why though I haven't said this before on the show but I've I've touched on this point and I think at this point I, I understand why because when you go to film something, it's expensive, and there are a lot of things you have to think of, and everybody thinks, whoa, let's take this seriously. A lot of pre-production. But there's no pre-production to the creation of the script. No one says, hey, wait, this is the most important part of the movie. Let's let's plan this out. Let's look at this. Let's, let's actually make this work. You don't think it's the like scripts this... get gone over by the producers and written and rewritten until they're crap? Sometimes, that but happens. I think that, but I think that the reasons they do that become arbitrary. Sometimes it's for budgetary reasons, but but I don't think it's because they want to make the movie better. I think it's just because everybody wants their own say in things. And every every, I mean, the producers are writing these scripts because they're like, no, no, we need to put a female character in here, or we need a love interest to that, you know. Yeah, there, there needs to be something more exciting thing. here. I'm going to scream the next time I see somebody get offered an Altoid in a TV show. It's like, really, Altoids? Altoid, what's that? It's a mint. They're curiously uh. strong. Well, <laughs> keep an eye out because they get plugged all the time. I'm surprised, even if they don't have them over there, I'm surprised you don't know about it. Because there's like this this Eddie Burns movie that he makes with uh, Angelina Jolie where they're newspaper reporters. Well, no, she's like a newscaster and he's a cameraman and they fall in love. But there's like a whole speech his friend gives about Altoids that's supposed to be germane to the the point of the story. Like, really? It's like watching a Sandler flick as he plugs <laughs> the, 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 the C-class restaurants. Yeah, Popeye's chicken? Really? I'm not saying I don't like Popeye's chicken, but that's really the place. Or the White Castle. <laughs> Yeah, those guys banged. Like, put it in the title. <laughs> Although, I'll say that Harold and Kumar are doing a Christmas movie, and I saw the trailer for that. And I've never been a big Harold and Kumar fan, but that movie looks funny. Maybe it just speaks to me because it trashes Christmas. <laughs> but it looks well, funny. There's a that. funny scene well, with Neil Patrick Harris talking to Jesus. <laughs> I was just like, this Didn't he funny. die in the last Harold he dies in the second film. He dies in the second film, so he's like in heaven, and he's talking to Jesus. Awesome. I love Neil Patrick Harris. He's, I he's that, great in those. I watched the modern-day Beauty and the Beast one called Beastly, which was a terrible oh, yeah, movie. pretty bad. But he was bad. the best part of it. He was definitely the best part of it. He did. And you're like, best. when this guy is the best part in every movie he's in, even if it's a terrible movie, 
you know he's a great actor. Like he's but just you so know, fun even to watch. if it's even if it's good, he's the best part in it. That's that's yeah. telling. Like uh, put him uh, against a cast of really good people, and he still steals the show. Who knew? You know, but and this has happened. I mean, I guess he was doing stage for a long time, but he just somehow just came back into movies and television, and is awesome. Yeah, yeah, he really he really is good in a lot of things he plays in. I'm a big fan of How I Met Your Mother. I think on the next show we should talk about that show, Wilfred. Wilfred, I would I would mind talking about Wilfred. I love that show. Which one, the original one or the American remake of the The, the American. I've never seen show. the original. Yeah, I've never seen the original. I knew it was a remake show, but I had never heard of, of the original. It's got but Elijah Wood I like Wood Elijah in it. Wood. Yeah, I like Elijah Wood. What is he Wood doing? I think he's got it just right. I mean, you know, he's got a lot of good breaks as a movie star, but, but how many different things can he do? That kid has been with it, like, since he was a child actor. And I remember even seeing him as a child actor going, I think that kid's going to make it. Because even as a child actor, the movies he did were, were serious movies, good roles, good movies. And then you had Macaulay Culkin just hamming it up and everything. You're like, that kid's going to be It's like, how, how can you not make it when you make movies like Radio Flyer and where, uh, Finding Bobby Fisher and... And with good movies. Like, he did that movie where he killed Macaulay Culkin. Awesome. Oh, yeah, you're talking about The Good Son? <laughs> yeah. That movie was was prescient because it actually had Elijah Wood and Macaulay Culkin hanging over a cliff and only one can live. <laughs> and they dropped Macaulay Culkin. I was like, that's right. This it is, was like the story of their careers. It is a metaphor for your <laughs> careers. Right. He, he is really good in Saved, though. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that he can't be good. Yeah, well, I don't watch Party Monster either. I don't want to watch him making out with Fez. Uh, okay, I'm not Seth watching that Green either. Or whoever the hell's in that movie. But with he's him. very good in Saved because it's a very good movie. Everyone's good in it. I should Netflix it because everybody says it's funny. It's it's very funny. But it's just so, it's very uh, good it, as well. That like, one just slipped through the cracks for me because it never came on HBO and I just haven't bothered. Let me tell you something that slipped through the cracks and I Netflixed it and I'm mad at the way this movie is marketed because because I just recently got Drive Angry that Nick Cage movie. Oh yeah. Does it, we probably never even heard of this movie. It's been promoted they, on they, the Top Gear website. They, or is that just which drive? is funny too. But that's the whole problem because the promos made it this thing look like Gone in sixty seconds. It's like, oh, here he goes. He's in a movie with a fast car and a hot chick, <laughs> and all this stuff. And I didn't have any interest. In, and I was just like, you know, I like Nick Cage. You know, I'm not gonna not see it. So I Netflixed it just on a whim, and it's just this weird like it adventure of this guy who escapes from hell to avenge his daughter's death against the satanist preacher who killed her and like what is this he's getting chased around by by a demon or the god anubis or something (laughs) i'm not sure some kind of pagan god is trying to get him back in hell like what is this movie he is a bit of a you know 3d romp this total like shoot 'em up exploitation <laughs> film like this movie's awesome this was totally advertised wrong i loved that movie this is everything nick cage is about yeah he's not just <laughs> about Hell bankruptcy damnation <laughs> well that's all the great ones do because it doesn't matter how much you make it's about how much you can spend that's right but i wonder uh well, good uh, yeah 
but good for him, Nick Cage. I just if you get a chance, look for that. That's one. That's a really a, a recently released movie from the vault. Because that <laughs> it's one going to be a movie from the vault because no one's going to watch it because they've been marketing it wrong. It's I know. Get it, yeah, it's get it under the radar. I had no idea there was any element. I mean, it looked like something that would be fun to see in 3D, which I think it would have been because they just ham it to the 3D camera so much that it might have been a good ride to see in 3D. But the people who were sold on the advertising they put forward probably came out of that movie going, what the hell was that? But it was like Constantine meets Gone in 60 Seconds. Gone in 60 seconds. I liked Constantine too. Canoe and Cage, they've never made a movie together. (laughs) Wouldn't that be an epic to see? (laughs) I did make a note to mention Drive Angry. That's good. That's it. That's all my notes. That's it. And I think we covered Apollo 18 more than was necessary. Yeah, we gave it more than was necessary. Not really a movie that was. Well, I, I think yeah. we came out of that movie because I actually wanted to do a show where we just talked about the summer movies and do that post-mortem. But we came out of the movie and I thought, that is just interesting enough that we got to talk about that. Because that, to me, sort of it's sort of a milestone. Because really, we've talked about this before, every great horror series jumps the shark by going to space. Yep. And this is sort of like the jumping of the shark for that POV found footage genre. Where like this is either going to be brilliant and revitalize this whole genre or this is going to do it. This is this is the nail in the coffin. And I think probably the latter is what happened there. It just proved it's like this is Blair Witch in space. They just they, they just put it in space. Yeah. They took the same story and <laughs> put it in space. Yeah. So and so added that space didn't work. crabs. Yeah. yeah. yeah and had space crabs. <laughs> Not even making any sense. I would have liked it better if it had been like I don't know if like taking the Blair Witch concept if it had been some sort of weird alien or something like that but just space crabs <laughs> what's funny though is it is Blair Witch because even in Blair Witch the thing that's Nothing the big happens. threat are the rocks because it's people throwing <laughs> rocks and when they come out there's rocks stacked outside the tent and they're like oh my god so it's like this is literally like just that movie on acid like but the rocks are the monster Get it? I like how they tried to make the rock scary, even like right as soon as his sample moves, he's like, huh, there's a sample on the ground. And they have like a 10 minute discussion about how this rock get on the ground. It's like, wait, and there's not like, a million yeah, ways a rock now could just, my, you know, my get sample's contaminated. It's like, what kind of sample is it? It's yeah, just it's a, a rock, in, a the rock moon. in a bag. Like, what do they, they hermetically seal these things and deliver them to a scientist who opens them up in like a silicone chip chamber? <laughs> And it's a rock. Like, they're like, how did this rock get on the ground here? What, What's happened? It's like you couldn't have accidentally kicked it in with your shoe or something. Or, you know, like there's a million ways a rock could get on yeah. the ground. But they have a 10-minute discussion. What's the rock protocol? Yeah, I mean, why, why do we have to draw attention to the rocks as though that's suspect? Like, yeah. We get it, the rocks. It's there's the a rocks. rock on the ground like it got there itself. Do you hear that? That's what's my that favorite noise? It thing like when they wake up in the middle of the night and hear noises. And that's Blair Witch. Did yeah. you hear that? Where are we going to get a rock in space at this hour? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Screw it. Let's go back to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's the wind. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, if there's any place, and this should have been on the list, but I didn't think about it. If there's any place to be suspicious about a strange sound, it's outer space. 
<laughs> like, wait a second, we're in a vacuum. There's nothing. I mean, uh, granted, it's... there's some limited atmosphere out there, but there's no wind. There's no wind. There's no trees. There's no branches. There's no wildlife. I think for those guys to be in immediate danger and hear strange things, they sure do get a lot of sleep. They sure are calm about crap. They've never been to the moon before. I mean, you'd think everything on the moon would be weird and strange, but instead they're waking up going, did you hear something? No, I'm sure it's fine. Wait a second, dude. A what? Why are you sleeping here? Why are you sleeping with that hammer? Can't, can't we at least have a brief discussion over the number of things it could be that could make a sound like that? I mean, we're on the moon. It's no animals, no wind, no weather. This is something that, at the very least, might be a phenomenon that we would want to document. Definitely. Well, we're here to document strange things. There's uh, noises in the middle of the night, and what do we do? Go back to sleep? Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. It's just yeah. Shut up, Nate. Go to sleep. Yeah, we'll check it out in the mornings. Like, there is no morning. What's wrong with you? It's going to be dark the whole time we're here. We're sleeping at arbitrary times anyway. I know. Why can't we get up any time we want? No, I'm going to get up now. Screw you guys. I would like to say before we end the podcast, if anybody sees Nicolas Cage, they should really high-five the shit out of him. I would. I love Nick Cage. I watched The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Not as good, but watchable, I suppose. Yeah, but that one he did, Season of the Witch, is pretty good. Season of the Witch was not bad. It gets dumb at the end. But it's watchable. I also love Ron Perlman, so it's it's just good to see him and stuff. Um, I haven't watched it, but everybody's saying this trailer for Ghost Rider 2 looks awesome, and apparently he's in that. Ghost Rider 2? I didn't know that the first movie was successful yeah. enough for a sequel. Who cares? Yes, Nicholas Cage, Cage, you always Nick get Cage a sequel. Gets. That's right. Well you, know, well, you know, because Ghost Rider has got to be relatively cheap compared to some other franchises, and all these other Marvel movies are making money now. So it's it's bringing some stuff back. They may make they're talking about making Green Lantern two because it costs too much money to launch a two hundred million dollar franchise and do nothing with it. So they may have to retool that and get a sequel just on the hope that that they draw in a better audience, which they can do. That's why we should probably should do a post mortem on that. I think that may be a, a how we should do it. I'd actually kind of like to do a Conan how we should do it, but I think I'm the only. Conan fan who actually reads the old Conan stuff. I have a Conan so, book here somewhere. Well, Ben does. I should read it. I've been reading the old stories and the old comics. Uh, I'm doing Dracula right now, but maybe later. Yeah, don't break away from Dracula. We're staying on topic. I'm going to finish that, and then I want to get through the old Bella Lugosi, let the legacy collection of those, just like for, for Frankenstein, and then maybe look at some Hammer flicks, and definitely I've got the the Coppola one here. I'll give that a watch too, and that should maybe watch Dracula 2000. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, movie? yeah that movie was stupid. Ben wanted me to watch Dracula Dead and loving it, and I told him it was probably not on topic. Watch the Frank Langella one. No, watch Love at First Bite. I was in Best Buy yesterday, oh, and some guy picks up. Some guy picked up Interview with a Vampire, and he was like, "Best movie ever." Oh God. Uh. <laughs> I was just saying this to Tracy and Dane. It's like, you know. Every vampire movie puts forward the idea that vampires are either gay or pedophiles. Or they have sparkly like the skin. The Rice vampire is gay, but all these are the Twilight vampires are pedophiles. But if you made a and movie gay. about a 200-year-old vampire that was trying to hook up with a 16-year-old boy, people would flip out. 
Like, he would be the biggest degenerate scumbag crazy predator. But it's like they make these movies about these these centuries-old vampires that want to hang out with 15-year-old girls. Buffy. Yeah, even in Buffy, yeah, even that one. You know the funny thing about Buffy? Sixteen-year-old girl. The funny thing about Buffy, they had that whole thing where they had sex and he went evil and everything like that. They had complaints because they should have showed them using a condom. Yeah, really. Do you know how vampires work? It's like you know he's like two hundred years old and she's sixteen and they're having sex for the first time. They're probably not thinking about what protection. (laughs) Besides the fact that yeah, first of all, they don't need protection because he's a vampire. What, they don't, have crabs? I don't even know what they I don't know what the physics of it is, but they don't make babies. Yeah, wait a minute now. And they can't but in Twilight say, oh, they well, make babies. So. Oh yeah, they do, don't they? In the books, I guess. I don't I don't There's a whole bullshit reason for that that I think is bullshit, but yeah. I haven't got I haven't got to that. Do you want to talk about Twilight really? No. They did have a vampire baby and angel, but that was also a mystical thing. That was not a normal yeah. thing. Oh. But you know, also I like how people are mad that they didn't use a condom, but they're not mad that she's 16. Yeah. Yeah. Like the <laughs> fact like that, she's like, that she just got statutory raped by a monster. <laughs> that doesn't even bother people. It's the fact that they didn't use a condom, that we didn't turn it into a PSA for safe sex. It doesn't get any less Yeah, they should have had a box of them on the table. Than letting your 16-year-old <laughs> daughter have sex with a monster. Yeah, that's the funny part. Who then part. turns into a bigger monster. Like, exactly, then he goes full evil. And there's absolutely no allegory in that whatsoever. <laughs> it's right. not a metaphor for anything. Have sex with him, he turns into a monster. Well, I think as we come back, I think when we come back, we we, we can talk about some of these, some more of these summer movies. Maybe we'll just do it in installments, because there, there were a bunch of them. Yeah. And I don't know if we could but cover were, them all in one yeah. show. There was a couple of and, good ones, a few good ones. Yeah, there's good and bad. And I, I have to say that I don't, throughout the summer, I don't think I saw a movie that I thought was terrible. The, the, near the end is where we saw Don't Be Afraid of the Dark and Apollo 18, not so good on those. But most of the big summer movies I enjoyed on different levels. So I think we could talk about who, who did what right and who did what wrong. Be a good topic for discussion. But we should come back on that uh, next week. Yeah. You ought to watch Paul. I w- as soon as it's, it hasn't dropped on Netflix. Watch Paul it's at, and, it's at the top of my and list. watch The Tunnel. I'll download The Tunnel. Watch I'll, the tunnel. I'll download it's The really Tunnel and, and give that a watch. I found it extra interesting because I'll tell you a little bit about it. The first half hour... It's just them, because it's centered around a, a, a film crew. It's a, a news crew who decided to go and do like a current affairs segment on the tunnels underneath the city. And so the first half hour is just them, you know, the little bit of office politics and them setting up to go down there. Just, you know, character building and that sort of thing. And I, I find that completely fascinating because Ben's about to become a news cameraman. And I'm like, how many monsters am I going to have to save my boyfriend from? <laughs> it's always good to know. That's very similar to the last so broadcast. It was, it really they good... did, but the last broadcast was, was like that, where it was a news crew. They were actually doing a thing looking for the Jersey Devil or something like that. But Well, the interesting thing about the tunnel is that it's not found footage in that we're supposed to believe that everybody died and they randomly went down there and found the camera. Some people survive at the end and they're giving interviews as they're watching the footage. So we're actually getting their emotional viewpoint on what they're doing at the time. Well, that's cool. I'm going to definitely... I like the whole so, idea of it, and I definitely want to get it and take a look. 
and it's pretty creepy at the at the moment where it's supposed to be creepy it's creepy and there's some very funny humor in it that you may not get if you're not australian but it's pretty good i mean because it is australian it makes me kind of feel like it's a bit more real just hearing our own accents and i mean there's bits at the beginning which are actual news broadcasts and they actually use the real reporters they get the real voices so it really makes it feel genuine when you're hearing the same voices you hear on the news every night telling you what's going on well i also think too that the reason that this this pov genre endures is because we we've said on the show before that old horror movies kind of feel authentic because they're shooting it on this crappy film that that gives it it makes it feel like a home movie it makes it feel documentary because they, they don't know how to hold a like camera that it could happen the to film you. stock's not good the people can't really hack and it makes it feel more real and well that's why that's paranormal activity hit home because everybody went wow that could be my girlfriend that could be my house it felt really genuine because it felt like something that could happen to you and I believed Whereas their you reasoning like moon and you're like well I'm not going to the moon so I'm not frightened of the moon rocks but I also believed that this guy would do this this guy this douchebag guy is like you know he's like let's set up cameras <laughs> so and we'll good. film everything I want to catch the ghost because he didn't believe it and all this stuff but that's the information age that's we live in the camera age now everybody does film everything the second movie, I yeah. didn't believe they didn't have a premise that made it work for me at all. But now oh, there's well, going to be a I didn't third like the one. Second movie at all. Now they make a third movie that's a prequel. It's, it's like let's do every crapola thing. Well, you can film one of these in a weekend. I'm surprised they're make they're doing them every year because they <laughs> want to space them out. They could make one of these every week. What they need to do is put a baby on the front cover, and then everyone will go and see it's, it. It'll, well, it's a prequel, so it's them as little kids. So that's the well, hook. kids are creepy. Yeah, really. Kids, that's why Insidious was good, because it wasn't like, oh, the kid's in danger, but that was an element of it, but it was that the kid was haunted, and it made, and, and he was kind of creepy, it had a little bit of both, where you, the kid was in danger because he was being possessed, but also, for a long part of the movie, you don't know what's going on, and the kid is the epicenter of all this horrible stuff, so he's scary. So I couldn't recommend that movie enough. I'll tell you the one thing about Insidious that makes it work for me is like two days of being in that house and things are haunted as hell. And she's like, I want to move. And he's like, okay. Next scene, they're in a U-Haul. It's like, this, I can buy this movie. Like at that point in the movie, we're, we're like 15 minutes in or something like, that's it. I buy this whole movie no matter what happens. And by the end, they come up with all kinds of crazy crap. I was like, I don't care. I, I'll still swallow this. Because you, you bought my credit. I don't care if they're astral projecting or whatever the hell you're saying. I believe anything you say. After the fact that when the house was haunted, you guys left. Yeah, you I have now it. validated your whole premise. Well, that's the thing, establishing the realism. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, anything you want to say, I, I'll give it a listen. But that whole, <laughs> look, okay, we're all a little worked up over the thing that just tried to kill us. Let's get a little sleep. This happened in that The Last Exorcism is also a POV movie that doesn't really work. And that happens for real. They're in somebody else's house. And everything goes to hell. And the crazy guy leaves. And, you know, the girl is supposed to be possessed, and that's what they're there to look at. And they're like, look, let's all just try to get a nap. Like, Are you out of your mind? Why would we all, even under normal circumstances, just take a nap in this house? Because <laughs> they have to have a reason for the do the sequence where the possessed girl steals the camera. But, like, there's no reason why we would sleep here. 
Yeah, you can't just put the camera down in a different room or film her while she's sleeping while or you find talk. Anything or... else? It's just lazy writing. Like, let's all just try to get some sleep and we'll sort it out. Like, what are you talking about? Well, that's, that's another thing I, I liked forgive. about the tunnel. I remember you watched what was it, Vacancy? And you said things go bad really quickly, and by that stage they're already stuck. That's the same thing in the tunnel. Because they're, they're stuck down in the tunnels, obviously, but there's not this, you know, hole, I've got to go back to sleep. They get stuck in the tunnels, they're down in the tunnels, something goes wrong, and then the rest of the movie is just them just trying to figure it out. Like, they, they do not have breathing space. They do not have time. There's no point where you can go, oh, they should have just left. Because they can't. You know, like, and so, I like that. Because really then you don't have... Really if you have time to think, then you rethink the premise yourself. If you have time so, to stop and say, why didn't they do this, then you've lost. Yeah, and that's what most horror movies are like that. Well, most of them are just set in some home and something's going wrong and you're just like, why don't you just leave? But if you're stuck somewhere, (laughs) you know, if you're just down in the tunnels running around, there's nothing you can do about it. What makes Insidious and Genius in that is the device is that the kid is haunted, so, you know, we can't leave. Even in Paranormal Activity, I know they said it wouldn't help to leave, but I totally would have. Yeah, it's just like The Exorcist because it was just as brilliant there, although The Exorcist is a better movie. She's but not going to leave a kid. It's the same thing. It's like I am stuck in this situation because the situation is happening to my child. And she actually tries to do something to solve it. She tries every reasonable thing. That's why Exorcist works. Insidious isn't isn't on as believable a plane, but it is. It it does mirror that the credibility somewhat in that something happened to our kid, and we we are doing all the normal things except in that he's not demon possessed in the movie. He's just like in some kind of weird coma, and they don't know why. And then ghosts start popping up everywhere. So the idea of leaving the kid, you know, is, is off the table. So obviously they leave the house, which is the reasonable thing to do. And not easy to do in today's market at all. So, you know, they did they did the, as much as they could do. Found well, it's also like Wreck, the where they're just day. stuck in the house and they can't get out. Yeah, Wreck, the concept of Wreck works. It's just that Wreck has done better than Quarantine. Quarantine it doesn't is have a shit annoying main character, did it? Yeah, she's not only less annoying, but she's hotter in Wreck. Well, and her acting is so much more believable. Like, I was just watching that final scene. And if you just compare the two final scenes where they sort of crawl towards the camera and they're just pulled Which away. Which funny because it's such really an obligatory boob crawl in Wreck. Yeah, I know. Like, she's just got a boob up against the like, camera. And she's just, she's just honestly just trying the, to keep quiet and find the camera. Still, Whereas the one in, still more in quarantine, she's like, the whole time. And she's like, never oh, trying she to be quiet. Eaten. I hope she gets eaten. You want her to die immediately. Yeah. You, you want her to be. die before you know there's things there that can kill her. <laughs> you just you just want the firemen to lock her up and actually I won't say that. <laughs> you just hope the firemen kill her. <laughs> Maybe the, the she'll go in a fire with them and die in the fire. And then we'll get to the real movie. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, then we'll just keep going from there. Well, I've got to sign off, guys. Yeah, I think we're done here. But yeah, we'll we'll try to come back and do some uh We'll have to come back and, and do some the the summer movies. And I am slowly working on episode three of Venus Skytrap. That will happen. <laughs> and I need to go with you, you kids, at some point because I do have new scripts. So I need to get those new scripts to you. So maybe we can do some more recording sessions for, for later episodes that oh, it will take me forever to edit. Uh, will, uh, his character, Dirge, will, keeps coming Will's back. Will's now calling himself Vlad the Impaler. So I don't know what's going on there. Well, as long as he hasn't changed his voice, I don't care what he calls himself. As long as he just calls himself Dirge Roxon when we're recording. I do need another female voice. I'll send you the scripts because there's another female 
in the space harem. What what sort of voice do you need? Because uh, I've got I'm in the musical girl. society here now. <laughs> it's, so I might be out of fun. It's not Dostoevsky. All the girls are harem girls. Well, I'll ask around. Yeah, I just need uh, she's, more Australians. Because yeah, it's 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 Edmund Cooper stuff. Oh, speaking of Edmund Cooper, I know in a previous episode I sort of pushed this Juan and the Girl from the Other Side book, mm. and we read snippets from it to show how awful it is. Yeah, Gretchen got in you in trouble for that. Yeah, well, Sorry, she she was correct to call that. I read that whole book. That's a terrible book. That's not there's that's not a good kitsch thing. That's it's not a good book. Don't don't read that. Don't equate that with Edmund Cooper. He has style. Like to retract right. if if I said anything to make it look like that was a fun camp book to, to engage in. No, it's a crap book. Read Slaves of Heaven. It's good. Read Slaves of Heaven. It is good. And I'll let you know when I'm done with Gender Genocide how that one turns out. But the, it's got me with the title. <laughs> it's about Amazon women who hunt human men. <laughs> All right. We're so done. All right. Thanks, thanks again for coming. I, my name is Sean. I'm Lynn. I'm Greg. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. This has been TV8 My Dinner. Don't forget to visit our forum at www.forum.tv8mydinner.com. Dog Crazy.